Welcome to Say When. I'm your host, Holly Toscanini. This podcast is for any woman who's had enough of restrictive diets, feeling bad about their bodies, or putting their lives on hold until they lose the weight. If you've had enough of diet culture, then it's time to say when. Hello, and welcome to another empowering episode of Say When, where we explore the journey of intuitive eating, body acceptance, and liberating ourselves from the shackles of diet culture. I'm your host, Holly Toscanini, and today I'm going to invite you into the transformative world of life bliss wellness, founded by Lisa Branscombe, a visionary lifestyle coach devoted to uplifting wellness and fostering a nurturing anti-diet approach to self-care, particularly for Black women. Lisa champions the philosophy that it's the perfect moment to embrace softer, healthier, and more joyful ways of living. At the heart of Life Bliss Wellness is a profound mindset that's dedicated and a holistic worldview where it's spirituality, sexuality, sensuality, joy, and relaxation. These things become the gateways to unlocking your inner vitality, creative spirit, and confidence. And these are essential elements for a life filled with happiness, health, and softness. Drawing inspiration from the ancient enriching teachings of Tantra Yoga, which utilizes the art of moving meditation, life bliss wellness is a journey beyond personal freedom, mental clarity, and blissful experiences in the fabric of everyday life. Lisa is using this as more than a concept. It's really a celebration and abundance, uh, a celebration of sisterhood, acceptance, sensuality, and joy. And these are pillars of health. And it stands in contrast to the outdated practices of restriction, deprivation, and overexertion that have continually let us down. Welcome, Lisa. I am so excited to have you on today's show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Now, can you share with us what really inspired you to create Life Bliss Wellness and how it specifically addresses the needs of the modern Black woman? Yes. When you look at wellness as a whole in, in our just mainstream culture it is there's an absence of people who look like me mm-hmm. and the issue is not necessarily people who look like us but people who value culturally what black women value and so oftentimes you see just images of people sitting on mountaintops meditating or a stack of rocks or things like that and we just mm-hmm. don't relate And then oftentimes when we do join wellness organizations or clubs or any other, you know, type of gathering of women in in the name of wellness, we just don't seem to fit in. And it does not help us because we're trying so hard to create this look that we just Mm -hmm. don't have and Mm -hmm. it's counterproductive. So I felt like we need to have wellness that actually addresses us, not trying to fit into someone else's box, but to basically build our own. Beautiful. Now, I noticed that you talk a lot about softer living. Can you go into that a little deeper and really explain what that is and what it means for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been noticing like the last couple of years, there's been a lot of chatter online about soft life. People want Mm -hmm. to live softer. And at first, I just kind of brushed it aside, didn't think about it until I looked a little bit closer and I found that it was, first of all, originated out of some women in Nigeria, which mm-hmm. I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and then I looked at the concept of it, which is a life of less stress and more joy. And I thought, okay, and I dug a little bit deeper and I found that it matched almost identically with my previous teachings of Tantra. 
Mm-hmm. It, it just was absolutely, I was like, this is Tantra. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so a long time ago, I used to have a practice called um, Lifeless Solutions, and it was mm-hmm. life coaching from a tantric perspective. Beautiful. And the issue that I had with, this was way back in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. when the issue that I had was it was hard to market. Because mm-hmm. back then the word Tantra was not <laughs> what I knew it to be. There right. was something on um on HBO called Real Sex and they had an episode about Tantra that that just just burned me to the ground. <laughs> like mm. oh, damn. Yeah. And I was getting creeps, you know, contacting me. I was like, this is not what I want. So I just erased it from my entire program. Mm-hmm. And but it's always been like a guiding philosophy for me. It, it influences my lifestyle in my own lifestyle and then even the work that I do. So as I was reading this self-life information, I was like, oh my gosh, this is Tantra. I can bring back Tantra. <laughs> and I decided to bring it back, but not necessarily saying teaching Tantra because it's very esoteric. Mm-hmm. And I also don't really prefer the, the guru-student relationship at all. Right. I prefer a more like a guiding, a, a guiding to yourself kind of um, set up for it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And I got encouragement from my fellow coaches. They were like, yeah, do it. And I was super excited about it. But there has been a lot of interest in living a softer life. And that comes from traditionally Black women being um, stereotypically considered like the strong Black woman mm-hmm. and having to be the person who's providing labor or helping someone else and sacrificing our own well-being in you know, in exchange for someone else's. And we're getting tired. And I think one of the things that sort of triggered this was during the pandemic, when we all got a chance to just take a stop, you know, slow down and take a look at our lives. And yes. I think a lot of Black women, as, as you know, everyone else did, was like, oh, you know what, this really isn't working. So we need mm. to find something else. And so I just decided this is what I'm going to do. And it, I'm very excited about it. That's amazing that you were able to take those three concepts and see the overlap. Um, you know, I, I have a, a kind of a vision of like a Venn diagram where all of these three kind of areas overlap and that little area in the middle, that's Lisa and that's lifeless wellness. It's so cool to hear you talk about how that all came into being. You know, I noticed that um, both of our philosophies sort of reject the mainstream wellness narrative. How do you believe that your uh, coaching uh, differs from the fear and conflict-driven perspectives that are currently in mainstream wellness? Well, the whole idea of lifeless wellness is joy mm. and and happiness. And without joy and happiness, you can't have health. And that True. is pretty much the opposite of what's out here in the mainstream, mm. um, even down to when I decided to move away from Tantra and I was just, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like a health coach and people would say, okay, you have to find their pain point and tell them what's going to happen to them if they don't hire you. I was like, wait, wait, nothing's going to happen. And it was, it was pretty um, disappointing because, Mm -hmm. you know, I was supposed to paint this grim picture of Mm -hmm. what was going to happen if you don't do this right now. And it just did not resonate with me. And I failed miserably at it because I just, I'm, I'm not a good liar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'd be like, um, uh, and then I just decided, okay, hell with it. I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, how can you, how can wellness possibly be based in fear? It, that right. doesn't, that's not even, that doesn't make sense. That is kind of a powerful thing you just said, because you're right, it can't. But all the marketing that's done around it is exactly what you say. It's that mm-hmm. hit their pain points, you know, make them afraid that if, show them the scarcity if they don't do it right now. And how can any of that be the precursor to a healthy relationship with your coach, right? Where there's mutual trust and respect mm-hmm. if they've been sold this idea of fear. So that's really, that's really insightful. Now, mm-hmm. you also mentioned that you have some internal signals for self-care. Well, we all do, but they're often ignored because of external influences. So can you talk just a little bit about how you help your clients reconnect with and trust those internal signals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I focus a lot on liberation. Mm-hmm. And liberation is a powerful word, especially for Black women. And so when I talk about libera- liberation, I'm also saying stop looking for permission from external sources. Stop mm-hmm. looking for instructions. Stop listening to someone telling you that you need to drink 64 ounces of water every day. What if you are not thirsty? Or what if you're super thirsty? Mm-hmm. You have all the the knowledge inside of you. And so I help my clients to see that. And a lot of times it's very difficult because we have taught from birth that there's a set of set of rules and instructions that we have to follow. And for some people, just not having that is is very disorienting, not having mm-hmm. a, a guide of what you're supposed to do. But I think once people experience a little bit of freedom, like find out that nothing bad is going to happen if you don't follow <laughs> someone's rules and mm-hmm. then it just kind of takes off and and then it, it just blossoms. Mm-hmm. In the world we live in where diet culture and consumerism so heavily influence our health choices, how does Life Bliss help women break free from those forces and make some authentic decisions for their well-being? Well, one of the things is that it doesn't, there's no, there's no thing to sell. There's not Mm -hmm. a specific thing. And one of the main uh, principles of my idea of soft living is not the luxury. You have to buy things. You have to have like the most expensive purses. And, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of um, soft life um, information is about that luxury. And on some level, it is sort of, uh, there is a component where you're giving yourself the permission to mm-hmm. have what you want because you can do, you deserve it but that isn't the core of wellness that's just a little tiny part of it that's kind of off to the side and so there's no you, you don't have to be sold once you learn how to listen to your own signals and free yourself from the rules and regulations of the mm-hmm. external sources then you know there's you don't need anything else. In fact, I my goal with my clients is such that once we work together, after that you don't have to come back to me. To, un, unlike the weight loss industry where they keep on mm. coming back and coming back because it's going to fail. No, once you learn how to apply these principles and then adapt them as your life changes, you don't need to come back to me. And and that's that's something that is hard for a lot of business owners to um to grasp but it's not mm-hmm. because there are like millions of women out here right to help. I don't have to keep helping the same 10 over and over again right well and what you're offering is something that is sustainable right it's an understanding of yourself and your body and what your body needs and it seems like the concepts of intuitive eating also sort of play into this idea of soft living because it does free you up 
from so much of the shame and guilt uh, and restriction that we go through when we're dieting or trying to change our lives, even goal setting, you know, trying to set goals in a very specific way that don't encourage you to be the kind of person who can reach the goal, not just the accomplishment of the goal being the be all end all. Mm-hmm. And then the determination of what the goal is, that, mm-hmm. that to me is very important. Who decided that you should be fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. Only you get to make that decision, not somebody else. And I find that that concept feeds right into the whole femininity idea, mm-hmm. where historically Black women were told that we weren't feminine. Mm-hmm. And, and that continues today because you know, that whole strong Black woman trope just Mm -hmm. keeps on showing its rearing its ugly head. And so that is considered not feminine. But what what isn't always clear is the fact that who decided what feminine was? Mm -hmm. As far as we're concerned, that's part of the patriarchy. And that was designed to control women. Absolutely. And so... The, everything from the diet culture to how you're supposed to look and how you're supposed to behave, whether you're supposed to be submissive or vulnerable or what, all of that is all part of that patriarchal lie. And right. once, once we realize that and let go of it, then it's easier to understand that femininity isn't at all, it's not wearing pink, it's not wearing makeup, it's not being quote unquote girly. It is none mm-hmm. of that. What it is, it's power. It's authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. power that comes from being a woman. And it doesn't always look the same. Um, for example, I had a client a long time ago and she wanted to tap into her femininity mm-hmm. and she was struggling and things like that. And then at one point she shaved her head bald. And you know, the typical, the stereotypical idea of femininity does not involve being bald headed. Oh no, but, it's like lots of, of hair, yeah, right? No, yes, no yes. <laughs> Once she shaved off all of her hair, she became the most feminine self that wow. she could be. And in, in her instance, I think it had a lot to do with the requirements, the, the, the hair thing mm-hmm. and all the stress around it. And once she got rid of that, she was free. And so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very good example of how what society perceives as being feminine actually mm-hmm. was unfeminine for this person. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't know that women take the time to question why they think their version of femininity is really their version when exactly what you just said, it was, it was a, a set of sort of guidelines and rules that was given to us by mm-hmm. primarily white men about what women are supposed to look like, you know, and it's the subservient, it's the thin, it's the hair, it's, you know, all of those things that make us fragile and helpless and dependent when sometimes the most feminine thing you can do is just stand in your own power Mm -hmm. and reject that. Yeah. That's really exciting to hear. Um, Now you had mentioned that your practice was influenced by tantric yoga. Could you explain how some of those teachings are adapted in your approach to this uh, more contemporary lifestyle? How do you use this with your clients? Well, uh, first of all, the whole idea of feminine power turned on its head. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like what we were just talking about, the fact that it doesn't look necessarily like what you think it does. And it is powerful. It is not weak. It is not submissive. It is not vulnerable. It is power. And once that's the sort of the first part of it, once you feel that, okay, I have this power, mm-hmm. it's almost the same. The only thing I can kind of compare it to is being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or a homeowner if you're not a parent. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, when I got this mortgage payment, I became like, okay, I'm the boss of everybody and everything. (laughs) (laughs) My house, my rules. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, there was things, you know, I bought in a neighborhood where things were going on and I I wasn't afraid. I just bust outside and be like, oh, what do you think you're doing right here in my yard? And and that's the that's the closest um, analogy I can come Mm -hmm. up with with that power. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like what we thought it was. It's complete. It's a feeling and it's inside. And you have to kind of move around and find out how to trigger it into action mm-hmm. and um and another part of tantra is sensuality which is also mm-hmm. often misunderstood mm-hmm. it's not um it's looked at as being bad or sinful mm-hmm. um but in reality what sensuality is is a connection between you and the world around you mm-hmm. and that connection removes the duality so you are actually a part of it and one part, you know, my my um, most effective way to demonstrate this is with nature. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go for a hike in the woods or if you just stop and smell some flowers, it's the sensuality, the connection. You need your senses, your your sense of smell, your sense of taste, your visual, your hearing, all of it, touch. It all is a system of information that comes to you, which makes that connection between you and the outside world. So making sensuality a more of an everyday um, experience Mm -hmm. and also allowing for it to be pleasurable Mm -hmm. without it having some bad connotations has been a huge part of it because that also feeds into being able to connect with your inner person as opposed Mm -hmm. to just all the rules and regulations on the outside. And then the other things that we... um, that it really are almost identical to my tantric teachings are self-trust. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you, I mean, always, you just know better. And mm-hmm. sometimes the outside world doesn't agree. Oh, well, that's too bad. Right. And self-love, which is also um, historically taken away. You know, we have to sort of beat ourselves up because we're mm-hmm. not what the expectation is. But being able to push that aside and and that kind of rolls into acceptance and body neutrality, acceptance of everything, all of your circumstances. But for women in particular, body neutrality is a huge part of that because how you are in your environment affects your feminine power. So it's all connected together. And to me, just the eye opening part of, oh, my gosh, this is Tantra. I get to bring Mm -hmm. it all back, every bit of it. The only difference is the the way I would I present it. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have like a guru a student kind of relationship, and I don't actually teach tantra. Mm-hmm. I just take the principles of tantra and help people decide how they want to live and what what they want out of their lives and how it can um, basically help to balance their lives and and allow them more joy and pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit different, but I get to use all of that good information that I got. I think you touched on something really critical when you're talking about sensuality. If you are in a body that you have been told is wrong your whole life, it's almost impossible to connect with that part of yourself, that sacred feminine or that that sensuality, allowing yourself to appreciate the body that you're in. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you work with clients when they have 
challenges with their perception of their bodies or their body image? The first part is that uh, my potential clients have to have the, the the potential to do this. I don't, mm-hmm. I can't go out and convince people that this is the way. So when, when a woman reads my, my literature mm-hmm. and she's attracted to it, there's already a little piece, a little tiny piece there that mm-hmm. is open, just maybe right. a little bit open to the concept, but there are so many more who are not. And sometimes it's just a part of life that you're in. Mm-hmm. or um, a level of maturity, or just whatever happened to you. So that women have to be at a certain level, sort, which is sort of like being fed up with following all these rules and it's getting mm-hmm. nowhere. Similar to fed up with the dieting and you end up back in the same place every single time. Yep. Once you realize that this is just a, a groundhog day and you're sticking <laughs> part of it, you're now ready. You're like, okay, you have that, that, um, that energy ready. Right. And right. so that's the way it, it it doesn't always work, but if, if someone is attracted to the things that I'm saying, then mm-hmm. chances are it might take a while. It's not mm-hmm. something that happens overnight. A lot of times it can take six months to a year or even more of right. working in mm-hmm. order to fully embrace it. But once it's, once it's embraced, then there's that liberation. Yeah. It sounds like whenever a woman is, able to reclaim that part of herself, that alone makes her a force of nature. You know, that mm-hmm. alone, that that connection to the the sacred feminine part of you that you accept and you embrace and you allow. Because for so long, we're told that that part of us is dirty or wrong, or we shouldn't want to enjoy any sort of pleasure in our lives, whether it's, you know, a physical pleasure or even just the pleasure of, of going out, like you said, and, and having a walk and smelling the flowers. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you tell the audience a little bit what your personal journey was like in rediscovering and embracing your own femininity and how it's influenced your life and your work? Yes, indeed. So I never actually lost um, touch with my femininity. It wasn't a thing. I just didn't Mm -hmm. think about that. Mm -hmm. So I was just going along. And in my past, I was a professional belly dancer. And so that was, of of course, very feminine, very sensual. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for a, another dimension to my dance. It was, mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't know how to describe it to any, it's like, I didn't want it to be flat, just somebody making moves. I wanted, right. I wanted my audience to feel the energy that I'm, I am sharing. And so in researching this, that's how I stumbled upon Tantra. Now, as far as feminine, the power part of it, I was always sort of, the person who I questioned everything. Um, I, I was kind of hard to, <laughs> probably to raise my mom with like, she, she's just not going to listen until like, I needed some sort of explanation for everything. And it had to make sense mm-hmm. from a young age. So you couldn't just tell me, oh, you have to do this because I just wouldn't accept it until you went into, okay, well, this is why, because if you don't, you could die or whatever. Right, <laughs> whatever. right. <laughs> then I would take it seriously and so that that part of me I didn't actually think about it it just kind of came about from some other completely different 
discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to notice that around me that, oh, so I didn't even realize it was a thing that people weren't connected to their femininity. And that was one thing I think back in those days, I'm in, I'm in my fifties. So mm-hmm. back in those days, I don't even think that was a concept. There was not a thing of, oh, let me connect with my femininity. Right. That's <laughs> something that you think about. So my journey was a little bit different from the younger generations now, but uh, fortunately, we know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you advocate for integrating a sense of sensuality in your daily life. Can you share some practical ways women can embrace their sensuality in their daily routines? Mm-hmm. It could be literally anything. You just slow down and notice notice, you know, I have a lot of mindfulness exercises and they're not complicated things. It just, Mm -hmm. it might mean, you know, when I'm walking home from work and I'm walking past all kinds of yards with flowers and they're all different colors and just noticing them because sometimes you just don't, you're in your own world. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about what you're going to cook for dinner and you you don't see anything. I could walk home and not see a thing, but Mm -hmm. just at least for a few seconds, just slow down and just really take a look. And you start to notice different nuances around you that you've never paid attention to before. Like, you know, I live in the city in Washington, D.C. And, you know, sometimes I, I would see like this bright blue bird somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, who knew that they had these pretty birds here? That's like a jungle bird <laughs> something like that. Right. <laughs> the noises like in the summer. When I go outside really early in the morning, it sounds like a jungle here. I live in the heart of the city, okay? Wow. <laughs> I hear all these birds. I never noticed that before. You mm-hmm. don't notice that with your headphones on and when you're thinking about other things. I just go out there and I'm like, oh my God, it sounds like the Amazon is going on around. <laughs> and and it's, it's fascinating. And even, you know, the cooking, I love to cook and, and mm-hmm. using my sense of smell to decide what to, you know, create with this and and not having to have a recipe all the time, but just to kind of smell, hmm, I think a little more garlic would be good here. Mm -hmm. And so just trusting that, okay, my nose is telling me the truth. Yeah, I need some more garlic. Just little things. It could be literally anything. And the fun of this is when I'm working with my clients to have them discover what, what you can, what do you discover when you just slow down? Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's just, unlimited sensual things going on around us if we just pay attention. Exactly. And I love that you were talking about the cooking too, because I know when people take an opportunity to even eat a meal mindfully, where they are a hundred percent tuned in and focused to what they're eating and they're paying attention to not just the taste, but maybe the texture or the sound it makes when you eat it, or even the sound of the room, you know, we, we're, are you in your car? Are you at the table? Where are you? If you really pay attention, you get so much more out of that meal than just physical mm-hmm. nutrition. You're really nurturing your spirit and your soul and all of your senses. So that makes complete sense that mindfulness would be a huge part of, of what you advocate for. Mm-hmm. Also, there have been studies that when you uh, allow yourself to calm down and experience, fully experience a meal, the nutritional um, uptake is actually greater. I, I was like, what? Mm. So you actually get more nutrition from a meal that you pay attention to than when you scarf down without tasting. I, I Isn't don't, that I fascinating? 
I don't know how that works, but it's from reliable sources. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, if you are not engaged in thinking about everything but your meal, right, then your body is more focused on getting what it needs. If you're got too much cortisol or if you're too busy being stressed out, you're not going to digest that meal as well. So that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. yeah that's really interesting. So what are some common challenges that you've seen that women face in reconnecting with their femininity and sensuality, especially in today's society? Self-trust is probably the biggest hurdle that I experience with my clients mm -hmm. because we are taught so, so flatly that we are not to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we don't even think about all the different ways that we're taught not to trust ourselves. But in every single little way, even down to how much water to drink. Yeah. And and you know, and you and we teach our children sometimes um inadvertently this mm -hmm. also. Um I have one daughter and when she was younger she went to Montessori school. And one of the things that her teacher told me was just leave these kids alone, let them wear what they want to wear to school. And I was like, oh, but wait, it's cold outside. She's going to freeze to death. <laughs> We're thinking all of that. Wait a minute. We're in Washington, D.C. It doesn't get that cold. But the thing, <laughs> the thing about it, she told me is that, no, they're going to be uncomfortable. And they're going to learn that that's not really a good idea. And you won't have to deal with that anymore. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? I don't want to be a bad mother. Right. <laughs> but you know, even, you know, children eating, like sometimes my daughter, she wouldn't eat for like the whole day. And I was so horrified. She was a baby. And so I thought, oh my God, she's going to starve to death. <laughs> no. The doctor told me, kids don't starve themselves. Okay. Right. They won't starve themselves. They're just not hungry. And right. I figured it out later that a lot of times when you're fighting off some sort of virus or something, your body is using all of its energy on that fight. And it doesn't have time to be dealing with stuff like digestion. Mm -hmm. And so I finally relaxed about it and, you know, just realizing that, okay, she, she trusts herself. Mm -hmm. She's not going to freeze to death and she's not going to starve to death. She's going to be just fine. Right. And that's part of what we, we're already adults. So we never got that freedom. We never got that you know, opportunity to just wear whatever we want to wear, do what we want to do and eat when we want and what we want. Mm -hmm. And so that was the most difficult thing as an adult, allowing that because we've been taught since birth to follow mm -hmm. these rules. Right. Right. It's, it's interesting because with intuitive eating, we're not really learning something new. We're giving ourselves permission to go back and be the eaters we were born to be. Yeah. And, and That's so fascinating. myself, I had to trust my daughter. I had to trust mm -hmm. her that she knew what she wanted or what she needed at the time. Right. And, you know, you can imagine I got a lot of like frowns from people around me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go ahead. You can have some ice cream or whatever. I'm not, right. you know, but she ate vegetables. She never had a problem with eating wow. vegetables and things like that because I never made a big deal out of it. I just right. let her do what she wanted to do. But I did get some looks and you have to be, you know, have to hold on and be strong. And as an adult, the same <laughs> thing, you have to just be strong because people around you are going to be like, you know, if you want your liberation, that's what you deal with. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the 
maybe transformative effects you've seen in women who have embraced their femininity and sensuality. If you have, uh, you know, specific examples that you can think of from clients or or just some general things that you've seen. Um, I've seen a lot of different things. For example, I've seen women become artists. Wow. And and that seems kind of like a strange thing to say, but you know, you just been on this straight and narrow, and then mm-hmm. you have this liberation and and you realize you can trust yourself and you know, you can just become an artist, a really good artist. And mm-hmm. this person did not know she was an artist <laughs> at all. She just did what she was supposed to do and she never, and so just the joy that that brought into her life was, was, it was worth everything. It was so valuable. And, and I see it in a lot of different things in, you know, just being able to make decisions about where you live how you live, career. Mm. Some people, you know, will just completely change their career because they're not getting what they really wanted. They were just going along with the flow. Mm-hmm. And and in some cases, women have made complete changes, moved away, done things, you know, completely differently. And, and were just content with themselves. And a lot of times you see health conditions resolve because... Mm. A lot of health conditions, um, stress is the root of them. Yes. And once you remove that stress, then, oh, you know, it's like some miracle happens. And it, but it really <laughs> remove that stress and therefore we're able to heal who you are in, in you know, your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for women that are kind of new to this whole concept of, you know, embracing their femininity, what initial steps would you suggest to really start the process of learning how to embrace their sensuality and their sense of femininity? I think the first step is to do a cleanse, not a diet okay. cleanse, but uh-huh. a sort of like media influence cleanse. Okay. And start identifying uh, sources that are telling you what you should be or what you should do or what you Mm -hmm. should have Mm -hmm. and just kind of like silence them even if it's temporary silence them just push them aside push them aside and in some cases you know I recommend that people just take like a half a day or a day and just be quiet don't read don't go online don't mess with your phone Mm -hmm. just be with yourself and just allow yourself to just let your mind go and and just give yourself that feeling of what it feels like not to be told things 24-7. Right. And and then usually that just morphs into like, you know, locking accounts <laughs> on things and throwing away magazines and sure. uh, and it just goes in, until okay, now I have cleared out everything that's been influencing me to not be exactly what I want. And then once that is and, and that process doesn't have to be 100% complete before we mm-hmm. are working, but it's just a start. And once you feel that, it makes it easier for you to focus on how you feel and and what you're feeling and, and just what you want. Because for the most part, we have been taught not to even speak what we want at all. Right. And so being able to clear out some of this noise, all this noise is so much. And once we just quiet it down, that is the first step to, okay, even if it's not completely eliminated, at least let's mm-hmm. tone it down a bit so that you can right. get to this. 
asking someone to be alone with their thoughts without escaping to media or the phone or, you know, that sounds like a hard ask. <laughs> Do you is. get pushback <laughs> on that very often? Yeah, but the, the the thing about it is it doesn't have to be a long period of time. Okay. If you can't handle it. <laughs> I got it anxious just day. thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't handle a half day, sure. A half an hour. You know, whatever you can whatever you can and once once you try it, you realize it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's just the beginning of it when you start, you know, okay, I'm gonna close everything, I'm gonna shut everything down. You're like, oh. mm-hmm. but then you know. Just, just relax. Everything is going to be fine. You can turn everything back on. Sure. You know, just give yourself a little bit of time. And, you know, it's kind of like when you, when you teach meditation, mm-hmm. a lot of people can't sit there and, you know, sit there cross-legged and eyes closed. And actually I'm one of those people. I don't meditate that way. Mm-hmm. I use moving meditation because sitting there with my legs crossed and my eyes closed in itself is, it's otherworldly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. So it's not the best. It's in, in, that's another thing we were told that you mm-hmm. have to do it this way. And it's not true. You don't have to do it this way. You can meditate while walking down the street. You right. can, I do a lot of dance meditation, things like that. Now, do you integrate some of that mindful movement into your wellness practice? Yes. Yes. And in fact, I'm right now working on creating a whole program around it. Where oh, exciting. Belly dance kind of um, that's how this how that this all fits together. Belly dance mm-hmm. was the thing that caused it all to happen, and it it almost is like meditation because you are in a spiritual way when mm-hmm. you're doing it. When you when you're one of the people who are doing more than just moving your body, because some some dancers are just moving, they're mechanical, and that's sure. what I was looking to get beyond. Once I did that, it was about harnessing energy and 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 actually giving this energy to my audience mm-hmm. and it's so amazing to watch it happen but in the case of working with clients they're not necessarily dancing for an audience but just being able to identify that energy that there's more to you more to this than just moving your body there's there's a whole centering process and a grounding process that happens mm-hmm. and that is um that that also you know feeds right into the sensuality part of it, and it kind of helps it click because a lot of women don't even these are like porn words, mm-hmm. and they don't know what this means at all. They're like what? But once you feel it, once you allow yourself to feel it, okay, now it, then I see things start to click, and then that's when uh, usually um, things accelerate. Right. It seems like body trust would be a big component of that too, because when we're doing something like, you know, learning to move our bodies in a different way, we don't want to get it wrong. You know, it's like, I got to do it right. And, and when you give yourself permission to trust, then maybe there's no real wrong way to do it. And, you know, that's really liberating. <laughs> it is, it is. And it, it's, it's, it, it feels good. It's, it's like, um, people realize that it's exercise. Oh my gosh. Exercise. That isn't- <laughs> all painful and terrible. <laughs> exactly. I'm, just, I'm flowing. I'm in my world and I'm flowing and mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful to see. And you know, you don't have to be a professional dancer. You don't even have to be a good dancer, right. but it's beautiful to see that energy just kind of blossom. And for a woman to be in that energy without worrying about what's going on around her. Right. Well, it, it also, you know, is based sort of on the concept of embodiment and if we are in bodies that 
we are uncomfortable with or that we are ashamed of, it's really hard to want to be in that body. But it seems mm -hmm. to me that if someone could learn your methods, they would be more comfortable with themselves and learn to trust this body and then be more willing to actually be in the body that they have. It's true. And an and added bonus is with belly dance, um, the typical thin skinny body isn't necessarily the, it, it isn't put forward as an as ideal. In mm. fact, in many cultures, the bigger dancers are the ones that get the most praise because wow. in belly dance, you need to be able to like vibrate that little fat <laughs> on the side. Sure. You need to be able to jiggle. There, there's got to be some real movement here. Mm -hmm. Not saying that you can't be skinny because one of my instructors, she was very thin and she was amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a very body inclusive dance. And so even though I'm not necessarily, you know, it's not the same as the belly dance classes that I went to, just that art form embraces things that we are told to hide. And right. so, you know, this jiggly fat here that you thought was ugly, when you do that in front of these women in this class, there's a certain thing that we would do. And it was, <laughs> and when you hear that sound, you know, uh -huh. you're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so I love it. That's like the added bonus from, from the whole belly dance idea. Well, it must be an amazing feeling to be in a group of women that are celebrating you in the body that you have right now, when as soon as you step outside of that studio or that home, it, it feels like everyone is now telling you again that there's something wrong with that. And, mm -hmm. and it, it just seems to me that the more experience you have in that supportive community environment, the stronger mm -hmm. you are when you leave to put up your defenses and just ignore all the noise that diet culture tells you about how you're supposed to look. Mm -hmm. Cause then you decide that you want to get up on stage. Yes. <laughs> a lot of times. I mean, it, it's so alluring. Like you, you may not necessarily have any kind of um, aspirations, but once you put on these costumes with these mm. jingling things and fringe <laughs> and it's sparkly, you just can't help it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just want to get up there. And then your friends are encouraging you. Right. And that's kind of how I ended up on a stage <laughs> dancing. I danced at a Moroccan restaurant. It was the oh, best wow. job ever. So much fun. <laughs> Every time. And, and I just made people happy. That was the good thing about working there. You just, my only job was to go there, make everybody smile, get them all mm -hmm. riled up. And then I could go home. There's <laughs> nothing better. <laughs> now you emphasize abundance and sisterhood, acceptance, sensuality and joy in promoting health. Can you elaborate a little bit on how these elements contribute to a person's overall wellness? Yes. If you, I, I have a very uh, firm philosophy that health and happiness go together. Mm -hmm. You can't have either. You can't have one or the other. You mm -hmm. have to have them both because you can't be healthy if you're not happy and you're not going to be happy if you're not healthy. Mm -hmm. And healthy is a, a relative term. Healthy does not necessarily, it's not one type of healthy. Someone's healthy might be different from my healthy. It's mm -hmm. determined, it's self-determined. So sure. whatever you feel is, okay, this is the best I can be, the best I can feel, the best I can work with given my condition, um, that is what health is. So the two of these things go together. And generally in our, in our wellness uh, society, happiness is not in it at all right. there's no happiness 
you're going to eat this broccoli and this brown rice and you're not mm-hmm. going to be happy, but you'll be healthy. <laughs> no. So the sisterhood part of it is all, it's all come to get, comes together with joy and also um, stress relief. Yeah. So yeah. the sisterhood with, with women who are encouraging and like happy for you and not putting you down and, and insulting you and criticizing that, that takes some of that stress away. And mm-hmm. when you start taking away that stress, again, that that builds up your your health and your immunity or whatever it is, whatever scientific part right. of it is. Right. And then the joy part of it is just um, you just need that. It's something that you need. And we have been taught that that's not a necessity, that that's sort of like, oh, extra if you're actually good or something like that, that it's mm-hmm. not it's not something that we should require that right. we have in our lives. And so that's, that changes. And then it just opens us up to be able to do things that we never thought we could. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that all just wraps up into, so to me, health and, and happiness are all one big ball. Yeah. Yeah. Now, your philosophy suggests that the path to health and wellness is accessible to everybody. What are some mm-hmm. practical steps you recommend for people that to get started on this path? If there are women listening right now that feel like this is for them, what are some steps they can take today? Well, they can they can contact me if they want to. Absolutely. <laughs> um, actually, um, even before that, one of the things is to start understanding this this philosophy. And I have on my website, I have um, a lot of different articles about you know what this is. And even reaching out to other sources, but just starting to understand what a soft life is and what sensuality is and what femininity is. And you have to kind of look at it sort of like through a critical lens. Don't just necessarily accept everything you see because there's a huge range around, but that is, you know, just kind of open yourself up to what these concepts are in the mm-hmm. beginning. And that is how you, you kind of can start you on the path and, and I guess uh, prepare you for that little bit of the open door that we talked about earlier. Um, that little bit of acceptance that mm, there might be a better way than, than what I'm doing right now, because this is how it usually starts. It's just a little tiny little thought that pops into your head mm-hmm. and it, it might go away. And then again, it comes back again. But just that curiosity just be curious open your mind take a look at things try not to let some of the the um prohibitation the prohibitions from your past mm-hmm. influence at least what you're looking at and what you're reading about and what you want to know and 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 for some women that's even hard because yeah. everything is controlled everything is so tightly controlled and so just being curious um and there is no right or wrong so you know, one person's femininity and sensuality is not the same as someone else's. Mm-hmm. And and just being okay with that, but and just look at the range of things that are, you know, available to us. And then if you feel like, okay, let's this might be something I want to look into, mm-hmm. then they could contact someone like me. Or even, you know, if you don't, if you're not ready for that yet, just try something that makes you feel good, whether mm-hmm. it is a go go to a painting class, go to go to a dance class, just try something, open the door just a little bit. And usually what happens is that you open it wider and you know, next thing you know, you're all in. <laughs> exactly. So 
what empowering message would you like to share with women who may feel disconnected from their femininity or their sensuality? Um, we all have it. We all have femininity and sensuality and the capacity to for this inside of us. It's not, no matter what anybody tells you, like, you know, usually there's somebody in your family telling you, oh, you're such a tomboy, you're not feminine. None of that is true because their idea of femininity is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about power, something that's mm -hmm. very powerful. So just knowing that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even like, for example, women's sexuality. You, Some women think that because of their sexual identity, they don't fit. And that's mm -hmm. not true at yeah. all. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you identify as. It doesn't matter. It is here. It's in everyone, including men. Yeah. There is feminine energy in men. Absolutely. We have masculine energy too. And we're not, <laughs> mm -hmm. we're not trying to get rid of the masculine energy. We're just sure. trying to unsuppress the feminine energy that we have. We all have it no matter what. So that's one thing. And then another thing is to look at, look at it from a different perspective, which is for black women in particular who have, you know, the whole issues that women have everywhere, but then also the race part of it. It's, it's two things at one time. There's the race and then there's the, the, the gender and it's all just one big thing. And so a lot of times that has produced generational trauma or just mm -hmm. individual trauma. And this liberation and this reawakening of our feminine selves, our sensual selves is a healing. It truly is a healing of that trauma and that generational trauma and by generational trauma I mean it, that trauma that was handed down from your grandmother to mm -hmm. your mother to you and we want to break that before you hand it to your children or even if you have then you can still you know work to undo it but it is imperative it's not just a little thing that we do for fun it is fun but it's not just that this is actually healing and this is one of the many ways that we can change our narrative Right. Of right. being Black women in wherever we are in the world. Beautiful. Now, if our listeners are interested in working with you, what is the best way to find you? The best and easiest way to find me is uh, my site. And it's just lifeblisswellness.com. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a contact page where you can just type a message right in there. And um, if you're not ready for that yet, there's a way that you can sign up for a newsletter if you just want to get more information kind of like without being seen. I know that mm -hmm. that happens sometimes. You're like a little bit shy. You're not really sure what you want. Um, even if you don't, I am very open and I don't mind questions. And, you know, even if you just contact me and say, I don't know, what the hell? I, I need something and I don't know what it is. <laughs> We can get to the bottom of it, but just reach out. Take that first step and reach out. I'm also on Instagram, um, Lifeless Lisa. Mm -hmm. So you can just send me a message there. And I, I like to emphasize that I really am, I'm not judgmental. Like this, this entire process is devoid of judgment. So it doesn't matter what your situation is or how bad you think things are. There is mm -hmm. no such thing just reach out because this is the way that you can begin your healing without, you know, th there shouldn't be anything holding anyone back. It's something that should be available to everyone. And even if you're not a black woman and you just, this, this resonates, I'm not exclusive. It's just that my, my message is, is mostly geared towards what culturally what we have, but you know, those things, those lines 
are crossed off in time. So whoever, it doesn't sure. matter. Just reach out. Now, I know currently you um, have a new program, the Life Bliss New Year Soft Life Reset. Can you tell listeners a little bit about that and how they can be a part of that? Yes, that is something that I'm offering throughout December and January. It's a little little five-day program, which basically starts you out with that, that cleanse, that cleaning mm-hmm. out of all these influences and it kind of, it gets you, it prepares you for if you want to do this or if you don't, whatever, it just gives you a little bit of insight into how to begin. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's simple. It's not designed to be, you know, so in depth or anything like that. It's light and, and, and it, and it helps just to reconnect with yourself in a, in a light way, not, not like a lot of hard work. It's just, you know, so this is and it's the perfect time of year to do it because December is a lot of hecticness, I mean, for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. then January, you know, a lot of times people want to do that whole New Year's resolution thing. I don't do any of it. <laughs> and I'm so happy. <laughs> that sounds liberating already, just not having to do it. <laughs> I just decided I'm not doing any of that Christmas stuff and I'm not doing the, the New Year's stuff either, except for, you know, like fun things. Sure, and, sure. And it's just a way to just look at things differently. I mean, I, so much of what we do is so obligatory. Mm-hmm. Like these Christmas parties, the ones that you, there's ones that you like. Okay. Sure. I do do, I do go to parties. <laughs> and then there's those ones that you're like, oh my God, I have to go. And, and you're like, no, I'm just a person who's like, mm, I'm not going. And, you know, people around you just adapt. Okay. <laughs> you just, you put your foot down and you say, look, I'm not doing that anymore. They just, they adjust in the yeah. beginning. They might be like, well, 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 well whatever, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing New Year's resolution. So if there's just something that you want to do and for yourself, not mm-hmm. other people. So a lot of times in December, you're just doing things for everybody else. You're running around, you're buying gifts, you're, you know, preparing meals and things like that. Do something for yourself for a change. Right, right. Now, if we are doing the lifeless uh, New Year's soft life reset, this is not about setting a new year's resolution, right? No, no, no resolution. It's just five days of action items that you can do. Um, There's no real goal. It's just action items. And then at the end of that, you can decide what it is you want. You know, if you want to move forward, you want to do something more, or if you're just like, "Eh, that was fun (laughs) and move on. (laughs) It's fine either way. Fantastic. Well, as we kind of wrap up this enlightening episode of Say When with Lisa Branscombe, it's clear that her journey and the founding of Life Bliss Wellness are not just about transforming health, but also about nurturing a deeper connection with our inner selves. And Lisa's dedication to promoting a lifestyle that centers on spiritual sensuality, joy, and relaxation as pathways to health and wellness, especially for Black women, is both inspiring and revolutionary. And her approach, deeply rooted in the teachings of Tantra Yoga and moving meditation, really offers a fresh perspective on achieving personal freedom and bliss in everyday life. Lisa, thank you for sharing your wisdom and insights with us today and reminding us that embracing abundance, sisterhood, acceptance, and joy is a critical part of our pursuit of a healthier and a more fulfilled life. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. 
I'm going to recap a few of the things I'm taking away from our conversation before we end this session, because I think this is such a great bit of information that everybody needs. The Lisa's focus on reconnecting with the sacred feminine and sensuality offers a transformative path to wellness that emphasizes the importance of understanding and embracing these aspects of our lives. And her holistic approach, incorporating the, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional well-being alongside the physical health really challenges the conventional wellness paradigms and encourages a more inclusive and empowering perspective on health. And today's conversation really highlighted how joy and relaxation aren't just leisure activities, but essential components of a healthy lifestyle, crucial for accessing inner energy and, as she explained, even creativity. And Lisa's rejection of the restrictive deprivation-based norms of mainstream wellness culture really underline the need for more nurturing and accepting approaches to our health and our fitness. And a key message from Lisa is that wellness and a fulfilling life are accessible to everyone. And I want to encourage listeners to give yourselves permission to pursue your true desire and live authentically. Um. I think that was a great conversation, Lisa. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you here and can't wait to hear more about the things that you're going to be doing in the next year and would love to have you back again another time if you're willing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I totally enjoyed this. And anytime you want me back, I'll be back. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Say When podcast. Until next time, bye for now. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode of Say When, the podcast for women who've had enough of diet culture and are ready to get on with their lives. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, send me a DM through Instagram at Holly Toscanini, or you can find me on my website, hollytoscanini.com. Thanks for joining me.